Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark. Uh, We continue going through this gospel written not by a disciple of Jesus, because we know that uh, Matthew and John were the only two disciples. Luke was a doctor. Mark records something interesting in his book. We've been over this before, but uh, when Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, only the book of Mark records about a little boy that the Roman guards had seized, and he wiggled out of his coat and ran away and left the Roman guard hanging onto his coat. Most people believe that that little boy was Mark. So Mark firsthand got to see many of the things uh, that we read about today. Well, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in you. Lord, that the freedom would not be something external that's controlled by governments, but God, something that's internal controlled by you. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct our thoughts, God, that we would understand that there is faith and freedom that comes from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 3, it begins, it says, And he entered into the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. Now, uh, it's interesting here, the words in the original language don't seem to indicate uh, that he was born this way. It might have been something that happened through life. Now, again, friends, I look at this interestingly enough. I always like to find myself in the scripture if I can. And one of the things that I find here, it says, He was born and had a withered hand. Now, friends, uh, uh, all I can tell you is this. I I believe a lot of us have something in our life that's withered. I don't know what it might be in your life, but I know that there's always dreams and sometimes our heartfelt aspirations and uh, sometimes things that we wanted to see done in our life that seem to be withered. And so I relate with this man uh, there in the synagogue as he's there. Notice it says in verse 2, it says, And they watched Jesus closely, whether or not, He would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. You see, in the preceding chapter, we remember that they were trying to find fault with Jesus. We remember he was going through the field and he was shucking wheat and popping the kernels in his mouth. And they tried to bust Jesus for trying to run a combine on the Sabbath. Actually, Jesus was just shucking the wheat and popping the kernels in his mouth. And they said, it's unlawful to work on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus wasn't working on the Sabbath. And it shows you the level of, of, of their understanding, interpretation of Scripture, that it became purely a legal relationship with God rather than a love relationship with God. Friends, again, today there's a lot of people who have a legal relationship with maybe those that they love, maybe with their spouse, or maybe with God, rather than a love relationship. Now again, there's a, you can go through all the motions, And from the outward sign, it all looks normal and natural. But friends, deep down in the heart, there's something different that motivates one person over another. 
You see, the Pharisees, those religious leaders of the day, they had a legal relationship with God and no longer a love relationship with God. And so this man with a withered hand, there in a place where he should have been able to find relief from his infirmity, they were watching Jesus to see if he would heal him, which tells me a couple of things. The first thing it tells me is this. Jesus had an eye to heal people. I like that. So it tells me a couple of good things. First of all, if you're here today and there's something that you need in your life, you've come to the right place. Because I know when Jesus is here, the Bible says we're to agree touching any one thing. God will, will answer that prayer. And wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. So I look at this as a kind of a celebration that we enjoy once a week at least to just see what God will do in our lives, to heal whatever it is in our life that needs to be touched. And you know what's interesting? Most people know that the cup was Jesus' blood that was shed for our sins. But Peter tells us, by his stripes we were healed. That bread that was broken, Jesus said, was for our healing. Friends, I have found one thing, that we might feel perfect health. In other words, you might have come in here today, you don't have a temperature, you don't have a fever, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling good, but your heart is sick. You know, the Bible says that he, his body was broken so that we could be healed. And I look at that in, 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 in the relationship that we have with God, that he wants to heal our mind, our body, and our spirit. All three things is what make up you. And you know, sometimes they've done studies on people who have killed themselves. They have perfect health, but there's something sick in their heart. You see, this is what Jesus came to do, was to heal all of you so that you would be a complete and total being. You know, it's interesting, back in the book of Genesis, it says that we were created in the image of God. And, and that tells me something interesting, that we know that God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're a triune being as well. You're a body, a mind, and a spirit. Your body can, 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 can be perfectly fine, but you can have a sick spirit or you can have a, a sick mind. Something inside your mind troubles you. Maybe the cares of this life have taken your heart away from the simplicity of, of the things that you used to enjoy. We can also know that we can have a sick spirit. That's where maybe somebody has hurt you inside. Maybe your heart has been broken in love or something like this. And friends, I'll tell you, I don't think there's any greater pain in life than to have your heart broken. I know that sometimes we can go to the doctor and we break our arm. They can put it in a cast and a, and, and, and a splint. But, uh, you know, when your heart's broken, there's only one that can fix a heart. And that's Jesus. And I would invite you this morning that as we read this and as we look at this, I would just invite you to consider that Jesus is the great healer. He knows what you need. The Bible says, in fact, he knows what you need before you ask him. Somebody might say then, well, if he knows what I need before uh, I ask him, then why do I need to ask? It's so that you know for sure where the healing came through and from. God wants to heal our hearts. This man had a withered hand. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, were watching Jesus because they knew that Jesus had a heart for people to heal them. Friends, this is what real faith and religion is about. Real religion isn't about, isn't about rules and regulation, do's and don'ts. What real faith is and what real relationship with God is, is to have an eye for those less fortunate than you and how can I make a difference and blessing in their life. We remember that Jesus had an eye for those who needed him. Now, uh, again... Jesus was walking through a crowd of people. There was a woman, the Bible says, who had an issue of blood for years. And she'd spent all of her money on physicians trying to get well. And as this crowd is pushing on Jesus through the streets, 
Jesus stops and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, uh, Jesus, there's a lot of people touching you right now. And he goes, no, no, somebody touched me for a reason. He said he, he felt his, his, uh, the, the spirit reach out and touch this, this one person. And so he stopped and there was a woman who had reached out in faith and touched the hem of his garment and she was made whole. Friends, listen, God has a way of healing and touching us. And it is that contact of faith in Christ Jesus where we say, okay, Lord, I need a touch from you for whatever it might be. And again, this morning, it may be something physical like a withered hand, or maybe it's a withered heart, or maybe it's a, maybe a withered mind. But God has a way of healing and restoring and blessing and touching you. Well, notice it says here that they watched him closely in verse 2 again to see whether or not he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Isn't it sad that there are people that do nothing more than try to find something wrong with you to stop what God is doing in your life? They don't really do anything for God in their life, but they always want to stop and try to find something wrong with you so that they can discount the message that you bring. Friends, again, this is what they did to Jesus. Don't be so surprised when it happens to you. I always am when it happens to me, but it really shouldn't amaze us because Jesus said they hated me before they hated you. You know why? Because light and darkness don't mix, does it? The light always chases the darkness and the light always reveals the darkness for what it's been doing and what that it is. And so, oh, friends, listen, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if God has ever come into your heart in your life, and if you're a born again Christian here today, he has, and he's begun to reveal things in your life. All I can tell you is this good. The reason he wants to reveal those things in your life is to help you move those out of your life so he can put the real thing in. You know, we all have uh, lots of munchies and goodies that we like to eat. And uh, I'm always amazed how good real ice cream is. You ever got that stuff you crank or you have a little motor on top? You put the salt and all, you know, and it's really good, especially when you throw uh, like strawberries or something in it. Man, it's really good. But you know what I have found? There is a lot of imitation stuff out there. I saw, we know ice milk. You seen that in the store? Now you look at what, what's in that, that's kind of scary. But there's even something scarier. Imitation ice milk. Now that is some really twilight zonal stuff. I wonder how many people really have settled in their life for imitation ice milk. In your life, you're looking for something real, something that really satisfies Something that hits the spot and the devil comes along with a cheap bill of goods and sells you something imitation. And it's only in the light of the Holy Spirit in your heart that God shows you this ain't the real thing. What you need is something that's going to last. Well, this is something that God does. And friends, listen, religion hates it. Do you know why? Because religion masquerades as the real thing. Religion is the do's and don'ts, that legal relationship that somebody might have with God. Well, look, God, I said all these things. I did all these things. Therefore, you are obligated now to do something for me. Friends, if that's the kind of relationship you're approaching God with, friends, I, I want to encourage you something. You're settling for an imitation. Because it is not mechanical. It isn't saying, well, God, I do this, 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 and this. So therefore, you do this, 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 and this. This is what the Pharisees did. Look, God, how good we are. We don't do this. We don't do that. We do this. We do that. And as far as this fellow over here trying to heal people on the Sabbath day and do good to them, well, we're going to nail this guy because he's working on the Sabbath. That was what their whole heart was about. Well, notice it says that they might accuse him. Verse 3, 
Then he said to the man who had the withered hand, come up here, step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. You see, the reason why Jesus asked that question is he was asking a question concerning the motivation of their heart. Is it good to do good on the Sabbath or to kill on the Sabbath? You decide. Now, they knew that having this man healed was a great thing for this man. It's something they certainly couldn't do because they couldn't heal this man, whatever. And so, when he looked around at them with anger, whoa, hey, Jesus looked around with them in anger. I don't like that. Let's all mark these words out of our Bible and let's move on, okay? You know, a lot of people do that. They like to read the Bible or have a Jesus in their own liking. But you know, the Bible tells us in completeness who Christ is and what God is like. And Jesus, notice here, friends, was angry at their religiosity. That part that says, look, we're spiritual, we do this, and we don't care if there's people suffering around us because we're okay. Well, Jesus, notice again, he looked around them with anger. This is not a word that usually we associate with Jesus at all, is it? You know, the Bible says that God is eternally angry at sin. Now, that tells me something interesting. That if God's eternally angry at sin, then I need to not be in that world. See, that's why the blood of Jesus covers and cleanses us from our sins. So he says, he looked around with them at anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to, they, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, this was an element of faith for this man who had the weathered hand. He said, stretch out your hand. He go, no, I can't do that. You know, I mean, there's a lot of us like that. God wants us to step out in faith, and we're going, no, I can't do that. God wants you to listen to what his word has to say. You know what? If you're going to ever change anything in your life, friends, you have to step out in faith. You cannot stay in the same mundane day in, day out without stepping out in faith and saying, I'm going to do something new in my life. I'm going to do something, God, where I'm going to trust you. If you open the doors, and I'm not saying being foolish here in our faith, but I'm saying that as we reach out, God gives us an unction. We step out in faith and see if God opens the doors or closes the doors. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. This is now where he had to demonstrate does he believe that Jesus could heal him? Well, as you look at this here, it says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. Now, friends, again, I look at this as many of us, again, as I mentioned earlier, there's different areas in our life that might be a little withered. And, you know, God caused, called us to be complete in him. And so we step out in faith and we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. Your word says to, to step out. You know what? And uh, I, I like what old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. You know, we remember that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had made this great golden image in the plain. And he said that when the trumpets sound, everybody's to bow down and worship the image. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down. So they were easily spotted because they were the only ones standing in the crowd. And so, because he kind of liked these guys, he brought them to him and he said, look, I'm going to give you another chance. And they said, we don't want another chance. 
He says, well, is your God able to deliver you from the fiery furnace? And I like what they said. They looked at him and said, you know what? Whether our God is able to deliver us or not, we're not worshiping your statue. I like that. You know, faith with boldness works. Well, it infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. He said, heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And throw him in. And we remember the story as they were throwing them in. Even the guards that were casting the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. They got killed by the fires as they leaped out. But Nebuchadnezzar, as he observes them in the furnace, he says, I thought we threw three in the fiery furnace. And lo, there's a fourth one like unto the Son of Man. You know, it's interesting to me that Nebuchadnezzar had many dreams concerning God and eternity and kingdoms. And it tells me a little bit that Nebuchadnezzar was probably a little bit in rebellion because he knew what the Son of Man looked like. But there they were, walking around. They were standing in their boldness, saying, God, we're going to trust you. Friends, I want to just encourage you. God has called all of us to trust him. And sometimes trusting God is not always the most convenient, easy thing in the world to do. In fact, sometimes everybody else in the world will be saying, what are you doing? You're crazy. Well, you know what, friends? You can't listen to what everybody else says. This is where, again, as we uh, look at the, uh, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Friends, we go to God on a daily basis and we find out what God wants in our life. Do you realize that God has prepared your whole life for what he's preparing to do in the rest of your life? In other words, God builds upon what he's already established in your life. You say, but Mike, you don't understand. I've been through a lot of really weird stuff. I know. You may be ministering to weirdos. You never know. You never know how God's going to use that past of yours. You say, but you don't understand. I have been burned by Christians. I have been burned by... Listen. God may very well be using that to establish you in the position that you'll be in to be able to stand up to whatever it is in the future that may not necessarily be godly, though it appears to be godly, as in the case that we're reading today, where the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were objectionable to Jesus healing a man who had a withered hand on the Sabbath. Friends, listen, there's always going to be an obstacle in front of what God wants you to do. But again, this is where faith replaces that obstacle, and God is able then to do what he wants to do in your life. Again, every one of us can come up with an excuse why not to do something for God. Now, I don't always know what that is. In fact, I have found a lot of times that, you know, we always want to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do for you? And in and, and, and the Cecil B. DeMille voice, oh, my son, 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 with reverb, of course. My son, 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 I want you to, 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 to. go, 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 go. And we're going, yes, 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 God, 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 God. And we have this relation, you know, kind of, you know, faraway thing with God. Well, listen, what I have found is, is we seek the Lord. God opens and closes doors as we have prayed and given our life to him. He opens and closes the doors so that we will know where we are to go and what we're to do. Now, he who wills the Bible says, we'll also complete it or do it. Now listen, if there's a desire in your heart, if there's an unction in your heart, well, wouldn't that be neat if if, if we could build some radio stations and tell people about Jesus? Well, how do you know that just isn't pepperoni pizza telling you that? Because generally speaking, that sounds like work. But we know that, you know, God gives us an unction 
and then begins to open the doors to have that thing fulfilled. Now, friends, listen, many times, you know, the Bible says, you know, people say, well, I want to know the will of God for my life. How do I know the will of God? Well, it's unknowable. Let's go home. No, that isn't what it says. A lot of people think to know what God wants for our life is a noble. The Bible says to ask and to seek and to knock. Those words in the Greek mean to ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. I know I repeat this a lot, but friends, this is how we find the will of God for our life. So we don't stay rutted in a life and look at in retrospect at our life and say, boy, I wasted my life. Listen, God wants you to step out in faith. You say, but Mike, there are going to be people that are going to make fun of me if I do that. Yeah, there was the Pharisees. Imagine this man, of course, you know, I think Jesus going into the temple, probably the first person he looked around for was the one that needed him the most. Here's a man with a withered hand. Jesus goes, hmm. And they saw him looking at him. Oh, hey, we got one here. How we got him. We'll find out. You know, they were always trying to catch Jesus doing something wrong. They always were. You know, it isn't that, that uh, oh, he, he, he did something wrong. Oh, we'll pray for him. It's, aha, we finally got him. This is, the, this is that old, sick, religious spirit that comes in, that tells you a person is not walking with the Lord anymore. These Pharisees, maybe at one time in their life, did walk with the Lord, but now they're looking to find fault with somebody trying to do good. Friends, listen, this is the way that a Pharisee works. And listen, they're always going to be there. You know, it's interesting. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. How many people have heard of that book? It's how a lot of the early church fathers, the apostles, died. It's an interesting book. I mean, some of it's quite gruesome. I mean, I wouldn't die that bad uh, that way for a lie. If I had made the story up with a bunch of my friends in a basement someplace, and they were going to skin me alive, I'd say, hey, we just made it up. But if you know that it's true, it doesn't matter what they do to you because you know that it's, it's the truth. Well, well, anyway, what's really interesting in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, we see how Paul died and how Peter died and how the other apostles died, but we don't find how the Pharisees died. Do you know why? They're still here. <laughs> they didn't die. And friends, I want to tell you this. They're always looking for something wrong in your life. Let me tell you something. What are you looking at in your life? Are you looking at those people that say you can't do that or stop it or whatever? Or are you looking at the Lord saying, go for it, reach out your hand and be healed? Friends, whatever it is in your life, wherever maybe there has been something that has stopped you in your faith and in your ongoing relationship with God, I just want to encourage you this morning. Let God heal you in Jesus' name. This is something that he does. Now notice it says, The one hand was as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians, which up to this time were enemies with each other. The Herodians were a bunch of Jewish people that basically had had, uh, sold their soul to the Roman government. And so the Pharisees didn't want to have anything to do with Herodians. But because they had a common enemy, and that was Jesus, they united forces against him, how they might destroy him. This word destroy in the Greek is the word to kill. That's what they wanted to do. Now, they didn't want to just kill him. That's why we find the word destroy here, because the word can mean several things. It means to kill him and remove any influence that he had. That's what they wanted to do. But Jesus withdrew with the disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. Friends, what I see here is this. 
Though the people love Jesus, there's always an element that wanted to kill Jesus. You know what? You're never going to please all the people all the time anyway. So don't think you are. You just do what God's called you to do. And you know what? God will put around you the people who your life is to affect and influence in this life. And again, every one of us are around groups of people that nobody else is around. If you went around and said, well, this is my circle of friends or these are the people that I work around, you may be the only Christian in that circle of, of, of people that will ever share the gospel with them. We always think, well, somebody else is going to do it. Well, friends, you may be the only one that's going to do it. God has his hand in your life to do those very things. And so it says again that there was a crowd around him that followed him from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.